Now, have you ever gotten on Twitter and as you are scrolling through people's tweets, you see a tweet thread and as you read it, it gives you a real aha moment. Well, this week on Not Your Average Joe, I'll be sharing with you the contents of a tweet thread that made a whole lot of sense. Hi, my name is Joe and this is the Not Your Average Joe podcast. It comes out weekly and I'd like to thank you for taking this part of your day to listen in to the show. So I know going on social media can be a bit of a trick for most people because a lot of people are sharing a lot of different things on social media and it's very hard to try and see what's going to build me, what's actually going to help me be a better person. But every once in a while, you find a tweet and it surprises you. And I have to say the tweet that I found this week came in from a gentleman who is an organizational psychologist. His name is Adam Grant. He teaches at the Wharton School and his research focuses on generosity, creativity, and he's also written a number of books and his latest book being Think Again, The Power of knowing what you don't know so when I saw this I was like okay okay maybe this guy might have something and his tweet starts this tweet thread that was actually pretty awesome starts one of the clearest signs of learning is rethinking your assumptions and revisiting your opinions 21 things I rethought in 2021 a thread and I was like yes totally if you're one of those people who thinks that you know everything, you're an idiot. You cannot know everything. Things keep on changing. And just like that, your mind also has to be able to kind of take on this new information and recalibrate it in your mind in a way. So in this book, that is Think Again by Adam Grant, he shares a hierarchy of thinking styles, which I thought was very interesting. So on this graph, we have these different levels of thinkers where the lowest is really the lowest and the highest is the best, right? So at the bottom tier, we have the cult leader. So the cult leader she pretty much treats their own thoughts like the gospel and they always think they are right. Coming in at the second lowest level, we have the politician who preaches their side like it's the gospel truth, and they prosecute the other people's side. So they are wrong and they're right. And they're right. <laughs> and then we have the contrarian who actually finds flaws in other people's arguments but is blind to their own. So you're all wrong. And then the critical thinker who is engaging with diverse sources of information and questioning the credibility of their sources of information. So they kind of have it in their minds that they could be wrong. And then right at the top, we have the learner who surrounds themselves with people who challenge their thinking and change their mind in the face of stronger logic and evidence. So they kind of have the mindset that I might be wrong. So if someone comes in with better evidence, better logic, boom. They're like, hey, I'm convinced. And I think most people, of course, have to be like that. But sadly, we're not. Anyhow, let's get into his tweet thread where he was sharing 21 things that he rethought in the year 2021. And the first rethink went to mental health, where he says that the absence of mental illness does not mean the presence of mental health. So even when you are not depressed or burnt out, you might be languishing. So languishing now is this new term in the realm of mental illness or understanding mental illness where you are feeling a little empty. You're feeling a little stuck. You're feeling a little stagnated, a little in limbo, in a bit of a void. 
they actually also call it the neglected middle child of mental health because it does affect your motivation it affects your focus by just dulling them and i'm guessing a number of people might have gone through that in 2021 and now it's to understand that that's something you might have to deal with so our common understanding of mental health is not very good the perception is that it's very black and white it's very clean cut but the reality let's be honest is that mental health is not black and white it's a hundred shades of gray so there are going to be days where it's not so bad and then there are days when it's really really bad and then there are days that are going to be worse than that so it's to understand like those different nuances and to deal with them accordingly it's never that clean cut okay and the second thing he tackled is one that I think a lot of people, especially in the working world, will connect with, which is the imposter syndrome. And he says the imposter syndrome is a bit of a paradox where other people believe in you, you don't believe in yourself, and yet you believe yourself instead of believing in them. I know, a bit confusing. Because I guess the imposter syndrome is really sad because you think, you know something that they don't that they are lying like i can give you an example let's say if someone is called in by their boss to the office the first thoughts that come into a person's mind if they're getting called by an authority in the office is what have i done wrong maybe they realize that they've made a mistake in hiring me and then you go into the office and they tell you hey bob you're doing such a great job they're giving you a raise and you're like okay yeah great a raise and then you walk out of the office saying, oh no, damn it, they haven't yet realized I'm an imposter, I'm a fake. Darling, if you doubt yourself, shouldn't you doubt the judgment of yourself? Like seriously, when multiple people believe in you, might it be time to maybe believe in them? Might you be the wrong person here? And I can also understand there might be a bigger problem in the workplace because there is a general lack of positive feedback in the workplace and you know you might have worked in places where the management is unavailable until someone makes a mistake and then there's this huge overreaction yes there needs to be a point when people look at the positive you know things that a person does and they give them the feedback but it's also to understand that honey honey you're good everyone feels like this everyone feels like an imposter but we do the best that we can though and the next rethink, which is number three, is on disagreements. He says that the clearest sign of intellectual chemistry isn't agreeing with someone. It's enjoying your disagreements with them. Hmm. Harmony is the pleasing arrangement of different tones, voices, or instruments, not the combination of identical sounds. Creative tension creates beautiful music. Hmm. Gotta touch this one for a quick bit, though. And for some reason, the example that comes to mind is that a lot of people, I think, in relationships want someone who is very agreeable, okay? You just want someone who you're compatible with. And I guess people's mind when they say compatible is that we'll never have arguments. But I don't think that's correct. And this is also based on a bunch of other things that I've read where people say that it's how you agree or how you disagree that matters. I don't think we can always agree 100% of the time. It's when we disagree, how do we disagree? If we disagree in a way that is not helpful to the relationship, then that is a problem. But if we agree and we can still even have our differing opinions, but still be in harmony, 
that's where the real magic is. So it's not finding someone who is agreeable all the time. It's finding someone that even if you disagree, you can still live with them. Or the conversation does not take a turn for the worse and it makes the relationship suffer. So disagreements are not bad. It's how you handle them. Coming in at number four was internet trolls. Yeah, now I know we might not have that many here in Uganda, but you know what? Did you know that the internet doesn't turn people into trolls? No. These people are already who they are. You know, the internet just makes them more visible. So generally, if you are an asshole online, the chances are that you're probably an asshole in person too. So generally, trolls just choose aggression to get attention. And the best way to deal with them is just to ignore them. And you know what? I don't think this only just works with guys on the internet. I think it also would work in real life. A lot of people will use aggression to kind of get a rile out of you. Just kind of get you all stirred up. The best way to deal with those kind of situations is to ignore it. Now, I will say, I know it's easier said than done, but... It's like a muscle. Once you get used to it, you'll be able to do it. So just try starting to ignore them. You see one, you're like, mm, mm, mm. no, mm, no, mm. and you get better at it <laughs> the more you practice, <laughs> like with everything. And coming in at number five is character, where he says personality is how you respond to a typical day. Character is how you show up on your worst day. It's easy to demonstrate fairness, integrity, and generosity when things are going well. The real question is whether you will stand by those values when the deck is stacked against you. Aye. And I kind of think this is true to a certain extent. Yes, it's very easy to kind of be your coolest version of yourself when things are kawa. When you have no problems, you got that money in your bag, your chicken blaming you for God knows what, your man in lying your phone up for who knows what when things are okay you're generally gonna be good but that's not that's you at your optimum but you at your optimum is not exactly you you is when things is going bad how is you like then you know and it kind of reminded me of uh, a bible verse i know i've said the bible when was the last time you read it anyhow it reminded me of a bible verse in romans uh, chapter 5 where it says, uh, this is Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5, where it says that, And not only this, but with joy let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that in our hardships that is distress, pressure, trouble, produces patient endurance, and the endurance proven character, which is spiritual maturity, and the proven character, hope, and confidence and assurance of the salvation. Okay, it kind of goes to show that, hey, it's during hardships that your character is built with patience and that's what actually builds the person so it's not only in the good times that you're built i mean the good times do have an effect but the bad times i have a feeling affect us more and build us more we kind of come out more from our hardships rather than from our soft times Coming in at number six is play. Yes, being a workaholic does not drive productivity. It is a recipe for languishing. We already talked about languishing, which is that whole net feeling. He continues to say that having fun isn't the enemy of efficiency. It's the fuel for finding flow. Play isn't a reward for finally making it through your to-do list. 
it belongs on your to-do list. I think that is awesome. I think what people should be doing is actually looking at play as fuel, like he says. And if you do look at play as fuel for what you're doing, what you should be doing then is scheduling play into your program, your to-do list, you know? There's this awesome quote by Dale Carnegie who says, uh, people rarely succeed unless they're having fun in what they're doing. Now, I can understand you might be working at a job you don't exactly enjoy, but do make that time, carve out that time for you where you have a little play. Because it's crazy how, I think on the internet, I have noticed there are a number of people who are identifying themselves with their jobs and it's like you you cannot even separate the person from the job like you literally ask a person who they are and they'll tell you their career or their occupation and you're like oh wow that's how you describe yourself that's great for you but who else are you you know to have your identity so wrapped up in your career is very dangerous because all the failures of your career will then be your failures and I think it's important to have a bit of a distinction between who you are and what you do. But that's just me voicing out my opinion. You might have your own. Mm, number seven, he really hit me in the gonads. And this was just being honest. <laughs> so he says that just being honest is a pure excuse for being rude. Candor is being forthcoming in what you say. Respect is being considerate in how you say it. And being direct with the content of your feedback doesn't prevent you from being thoughtful about how to best deliver it. So I'm one of those assholes who will be like, hey, I'm going to tell you the truth no matter how you feel about it. That's not great. I'm an asshole for doing that. So the best thing to do is to kind of put a little icing on it because people do receive feedback a little better when you kind of put it in a more positive way and you're not trying to kind of go through their throats, right? So right now, to be honest, I'm actually working with a mantra, which is Ephesians 4.2. Yes, I know I've mentioned the Bible again. You'll be fine. Which is pretty much my mantra. So if you're an asshole, just being honest, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not enough. It's good when the feedback is constructive, it's positively framed, and preferably requested by the person. Again, when you just give your feedback, when guys don't want it, they won't appreciate it. You know, judgment, negativity, and arrogance, they, those things just, they don't help none. They don't help at all. And moving to number eight of Adam Grant's rethink list of 2021, we have leadership. Well, the first rule of leadership is to put your mission above your ego. The second rule of leadership is that if you don't care about your people, they won't care about your mission. The third rule being if someone has to remind you of the first two rules, then you're not ready to lead yet card i really think that this should be actually plastered on the walls of parliament state house and generally where any leaders are like from across the country because today i feel like a lot of places are infested with people who are always ready to remind you of who they are and it they don't do what they are supposed to be doing which is the saddest most pathetic thing Oh, and another one that corners me, which is gender stereotypes. Now, did you know there were 63 different studies done and they found out that women who assert their ideas, make direct requests and advocate for themselves are actually less liked. They're also less likely to get hired when it 
really doesn't make sense because this is 2021. So generally we are still punishing dominant women for outdated gender stereotypes. So pretty much the difference between being assertive and aggressive is your gender. So if you're a man and you're aggressive, you're seen as assertive. If you're a woman, it's just bad because you're an angry woman, some angry bitch. Which is like really, really bad because this hurts women's everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's in the workplace, if it's even in a relationship. She's just going to be seen as negative, which really has no place in the 21st century. My God, it's 2022 for crying out loud here. Haven't you ever met a woman who can raise her voice and match you? Come on now, don't be a pussy. We're almost at the end, coming in at number 10. Opening other people's minds. Oh yes. So now, here he says that it is rare to open other people's minds by preaching at them or prosecuting them, telling them that I'm right and you're wrong. Instead, what you should do is to actually treat this debate like an interview where your role is to be like a mirror. You are asking this person questions to make them consider their own reasons for picking their positions. So the rule is not to try to change someone else's mind. Instead, try and help them understand their own motivations for picking a particular side and using that to motivate them to change. So all you're supposed to be doing is asking questions. Now I understand it can be very hard because you have to be actively listening. Yes, you have to be listening. And a lot of people want to talk. Like I'm even guilty of this. Some people just want to talk. You're listening and you're just waiting for your time to talk. You're like, mm, when, I, when I get to talk, I'm going to see this thing. Don't do that. Actively listen and ask them about the things that they are talking about. Yeah? So it's a good way to kind of keep your inner prosecutor quiet and not pitching at people. And to be more interested in other people's views and see where they're coming from. Because not only is that going to be a good thing for you because you're going to be seen as a better listener, because but it will also it will also help improve your point because you'll be kind of getting more material for your own point of view. So it's like a win-win situation here. The other person knows you're a good listener. And then you get wiser from the information that they are giving you. But again, easier said than done. But practice, 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 practice. And coming to the very last rethink, we kind of circle back to the beginning. Because it's all about changing your mind. In this one, he says that the hallmark to an open mind is not letting your ideas become your identity. So if you define yourself by your opinions... Questioning them will be a threat to your integrity. So if you see yourself as a curious, lifelong learner, well, changing your mind will then just be a moment of growth. So changing your mind won't be like you're getting retarded or you're going back on your word. It just means, hey, you're adapting, you're changing to the new situation, which is really the attitude of the learner. You know, surrounding yourself with people who change your thought process and change your mind. And then when they give you stronger evidence and logic, you should be comfortable and secure in yourself enough to say, Hey, I might be wrong. 
let me revise my position and that is maturity a lot of people surround themselves in echo chambers listening to things that they want to hear points of view that they agree with there's no growth there there's absolutely no growth you only grow when new things are incorporated and you're able to adapt to them and still thrive okay so that was it for this episode of not your average joe it was a quick one but i kind of want to do more of this kind of style of podcast because there's so much information out there so many people sharing such good info on social media and this is the only way i can think of to bring it to you guys so thank you for humoring me if you want to get in touch you know how to hit me up on facebook twitter instagram OnlyFans at joe katabs that's j-o-k-a-t-a-b-s if you like the show do tell someone else to listen to it send them a link or something and i'll see you next week bye joe out <laughs>